0: This is Parent Them Successful with author and licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. Your child no longer has to struggle. On this parenting podcast, we unravel the complexities of the education system, give insight into intervention services, and offer encouragement and tools alongside your parenting journey. It's time for your child to thrive. Welcome your host, LEP Educator and Mama 4, Jessica Shields.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Parent Them Successful podcast. I am so glad you are tuning in. Today, we are going to hear a story of love and loss, a story of butterflies and second chances. Our special guest is going to share her why behind the advocacy work that she does with families who have children with special needs. Listen, this conversation is important because if you are a parent of a child who has had or experienced an typical birth or who has severe special needs, then you know all too well how much more difficult it is to navigate life for them and with them. Our guest, Annette Hines, not only shares her story but she is also going to share one major lesson that she learned from her experience. So stick around to find out what she did to overcome. Also, make sure you stick around for this week's parenting challenge and your loving reminder, you don't want to miss these jewels. So first, let me share a little about Annette with you. She is the owner of the Special Needs Companies and has been practicing in the area of special needs, elder law, and estate planning for over 20 years. She received her JD from Howard University School of Law, her MBA from Suffolk University, and her BA from the University of Vermont. Her clients include individuals and families of children with special needs, the elderly, and others in the community and really Annette brings personal experience with special needs to her practice as the mother of two daughters one whom passed away from mitochondrial disease in November 2013 this deep personal understanding of special need fuels her passion for quality, special needs planning, and drives her dedication to the practice. And I am so glad that she is sharing her story and knowledge with us today. Welcome, Annette. How are you? I'm great. Thanks
2: for having me, Jessica. I'm so excited to be here, and you make me sound so important.
1: I well, love it. Well, you are. You are so important in yes. that. You are so important to so many people, and you know your story is is very touching. And can you just share a little bit about your story? It's important that we honor the work that you do by knowing a little bit about your background. Sure. I mean, I just feel like a mom, like everybody else, you know.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
2: I love to say that when my daughter Elizabeth was born, she was my firstborn. She kind of burst onto the scene. And she was a 29-week, two-pound preemie who oh, wow. uh, was not thriving in the womb. So she um, needed to be born by an emergency. If anybody's ever had an emergency C-section with a, um, you know, preterm child you know how traumatic that can be so and being Mm -hmm. that I was in my 20s and uh, had just finished law school I was not knowledgeable about medical field and what questions to ask and you know what to do and at the time um, I really felt like a fish out of water because I'm such a type a plus plus personality I like to be in control of everything all the darn time, but this was a situation I could not control. It was beyond me. So that was just really, again, unknown territory for me. And it really challenged me. When Elizabeth was born, I like to say that an advocate was born with her because that was my first experience of having to advocate for her and myself and i learned so much along the way it did not come natural to me never mind that i went to law school they don't teach you these kind of things at law school right at all. <laughs> right and you know didn't get a lot of advice from family members i had never known anybody in this situation before so it was all new i had a kind of a difficult relationship with my husband. Uh, He didn't fare very well through this traumatic experience that just went from one crisis to the next. And Mm -hmm. Elizabeth got diagnosed at about two and a half with mitochondrial disease, which gave us some answers, but more questions really Mm -hmm. Um, at the time they hadn't been diagnosing it that long. I think it had only been maybe seven or eight years since they had quote discovered it. Mm -hmm. So, they didn't know a lot. And um, we had to go from Boston to Atlanta, Georgia to get diagnosed because uh, there were no specialists up in our area, believe it or not. And that was, um, again, just very traumatic. After I had my second daughter, which let me tell you, I had to like really get brave to have another child after that. Mm, it was really can imagine. So scary. Um, her birth, her pregnancy and birth was completely uneventful, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> That's exactly what we were looking for. Mm-hmm. But my marriage was pretty much all already on its way out. And before her first birthday, I was getting divorced. So oh, wow, I was raising two kids on my own. Um, fortunately for me, I have a great family. My mom actually came and moved in with me before that had happened. When, when we got Elizabeth's diagnosis, and we knew that her life was almost certainly going to be shorter than we would like. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
2: I needed to, I I just needed some support. Um, My mom was working at the time, but she retired shortly thereafter. And it was so helpful for her to be able to stay with Caroline after Caroline was born to, um, you know, run out in the evening with me and help me with two kids, one, you know, in a stroller and one in a wheelchair. It was really difficult to go food shopping, if you can even just imagine what that looked like. Mm. And then, you know, there were times when she sat up for me, so I could sleep for an hour or two, because we didn't have all the care that we needed. And that was kind of the story of our life, you know, always looking for the support that we needed, and not getting everything that we need. It was just the story of our life. So eventually, Elizabeth kind of um, settled, I guess you could say, and we had some really good years. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the stories that I really like to tell, if you'll indulge me, is about my daughter, Caroline. I, I fell into a trap that many parents of kids with disabilities um, falls into, which is that Elizabeth was so needy. I spent so much time with her. I spent so much time advocating for her that Caroline was often with other people she was with my mother she was with my sister she was with mm. a babysitter she was you know at an after school program she was here or there and you know she was only about 6 years old when i on a sunday when i had no care i was getting elizabeth ready which was a 2 hour process of medication oh, she, mm. g-tube feedings and suctioning and dressing and bathing and, and all of that. And we were gonna, you know, just kind of go out, hang out for the day, do our errands and whatnot. And Caroline, you know, was just kind of hanging, watching TV, hanging out in the room with me. She was always with me somewhere when I didn't have her foisted off on somebody else. And Mm -hmm. then she looked up at me and she said, Elizabeth was 10. She said, mom, when am I going to start changing Elizabeth's diaper? And, oh, wow. oh, my God, you know, uh, the tears welled up in my eyes. I just couldn't believe that at that age she was already worrying about this. You know, of mm-hmm. it wasn't excited. Believe me, it was like a big, big eyed, worried look. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just I just was floored. Um, but I pulled my my stuff together and I said, hey, I've got this all under control. You don't have to worry about it. Mommy's got a plan. You can just be Elizabeth's sister. Now, that wow. was a just flat out lie because Ugh. I had no plan. <laughs> I oh, wow. No what I was going to do. <laughs> but, you know, that was a turning point for us because at that point, I realized that Caroline needed me too. She needed mm-hmm. mom, not just a group of people, you know? And I had to figure out how to balance their needs and to be with both of them. And, you know, it was a learning process, but I figured out how to do vacations with both of them, vacations just with Caroline. I fostered Caroline's special love of dance for many years. I was the one who drove her. I volunteered and I left Elizabeth with somebody else when I could, could. but I made that a priority, you know? And, um, and again, it wasn't easy and it took me a while to figure it out and get in the groove, but I couldn't recommend more highly just paying attention. Each person in the family is important. And that was my second thing that it took me forever to learn was that I was important too, and my needs were important. And Mm -hmm. I had to make sure that there was, some time for me. And when I say that, I don't mean like going to get a pedicure. I mean <laughs> to recharge, rejuvenate and to um find, you know, myself. And I really came to that lesson very very late, but it's something I talk about a lot now. So then Elizabeth uh, you know, her disease progressed because it is a degenerative disease and by the time she was in her teenage years, things were starting to get bad. Um, her last year, we were doing palliative care and hospice. And unfortunately, I had to make the decision to stop care. It mm, was hard. It was so, so difficult. I still question myself over it, you know, wishing there was something that I could do to make this situation different. It just. Mm-hmm. No parent should have
1: to bury their child. It's just the worst thing that you could ever go through. The worst. Mm. Mm. You know, you said a lot of things that really resonated with me. You talked about how you had to be intentional with really spending time with your other daughter, Caroline. Yes. Um, And you talked about really taking time for yourself. And... (laughs) I I'm glad you said no. I didn't mean to get in a pedicure because when we think about self care, because that's what you're describing, we often say, "Okay, ladies, take get your mom mommy time, mommy mm-hmm. time," and that's really that that's fine too. But sometimes you do need to rejuvenate, and you just need to get away from maybe uh, a situation that might drain you, and, and parenting can be draining a lot of times, and right. Just go and, and be, be, just be somewhere else. <laughs> and yeah. yes, you could do that, at a pedicure, but it doesn't have to be a pedicure. It could be the park. Yes. Um, and, and what are some things that you did to just be when you needed that space? Well,
2: I tried a lot of things. Uh, everybody recommends meditation. That was not for me. <laughs> I have ADD, so I could not sit still. So what I settled on was I would take my dog for a walk. Mm. Yeah, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, But it was so helpful. It was just a reset in my head. Uh, I could just kind of for 15 minutes, just let go walk around the block It was good exercise, too, which I did not get a lot of in those days, I gained a lot of weight, a lot of moms do, Mm
0: -hmm. especially
2: moms of special needs kids. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't take care of ourselves. But, you know, for me, I settled on that. Uh, my thing also was prayer. I took the kids to church every weekend. It was brutal, it.
0: brutal
2: it. you know, mm. and I would rail the days that the lift wasn't working so I couldn't get into church. Mm. Um, but there, that was really um, so supportive for me. Uh, and you know, I know prayer is not for everybody. It's a form of meditation, but it is a very directed kind of meditation. Um, and those pretty much were the two things that worked for me: the walking and with the dog, who I loved, and mm-hmm. um, and then just making sure that I got to church every week and and prayed and had a relationship with with God.
1: And I like that you said that because. Um, In episode 21, I also interviewed a couple and we're going to talk about marriages in a minute. I I need to say something, but I I interviewed a couple. They had two children who died from degenerative diseases. Mm -hmm. And so it was, I mean, some of the same things that you're saying, they said as well. And prayer and God were in their faith. Their faith was such a huge part of the healing process for them too. Yes, and and you know, I I interviewed a couple, and they said themselves, you know, couples don't make it through this type of trauma, and and people wonder how they did it, and so when you said it was too much for your uh, your husband at the time to handle, it's this is not the first time I've heard that, and you know what. Maybe you can give us a little insight on maybe what, you know, what, what you're seeing. How Why is it so hard? And um, just a little insight on that couple piece and how difficult this is and how traumatic it is on a family in that way.
2: Well, besides my
1: own experience, I
2: have worked with, you know, well over a thousand families in my state. I can't even count anymore how many. And divorce, it's, it's real, it's mm-hmm. real, Jessica. I mean, the I don't know if the statistics are right or how that plays out, but, you know, we're looking at better than 50% of wow. our families' oh um, divorces. Many times we meet people when they're on their second marriage, like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's so many things to disagree about when it comes to parenting a disabled kid a special kid. And then you add on top of that real medical crisis. Mm -hmm. People don't learn. I didn't learn how to make decisions together as a family, as a, as spouses before my firstborn came along. So we were really blindsided and unable to communicate well. I mean, communication is key. We know that from every relationship we have, whether it's work or school or family or friends, the communication piece, if it's not there, if you don't know how to talk to each other and solve problems, this is a pretty disastrous situation when you have a special kid. Mm -hmm. So that's really what happened to us. And that's what I see a lot with other families as well. That communication is key. And then we did try marriage counseling, but there weren't counselors out there who really got what we were going through. I mean, Mm. I had one counselor tell me that, you know, I should put Elizabeth in a pediatric nursing home. Oh, wow. Wow. How dare you give that advice to somebody when you don't even know them and their family? Like, that is just very insensitive very mm-hmm. very and mm-hmm. it just goes to show you that there aren't people out there there aren't many people out there with the experience level to be able to coach
1: spouses in this situation I appreciate you sharing because I think that's an important piece for a parent who may be struggling in that area it it, it can really impact that that marriage you know because there's so much stress involved There's so much stress with uh, being able to balance everything and thinking about you in that moment, how you became a single parent so quickly. I'm just glad to hear that your mom was there to step in as a support. And it, it makes all the difference to have the right supports in place. And I just do have a burning question about Caroline? Did she sure. have any sim, uh, sibling resentment or was she just like understanding the entire time? What was the dynamic with that? Yeah. I
2: am so glad you asked about her. So many people don't ask about Caroline at all. And I love when people care enough to ask about her. So um, I hear all the time about these wonderful, supportive siblings who (laughs) grow up to be doctors and therapists and, you know, all of that stuff. And it's true. So many of them do. Mm -hmm. Um, My Caroline struggled a lot and had her own issues. And we had a lot of trauma and drama in our family. We were always in crisis. There Mm -hmm. weren't very there weren't very many months in a row that we could string together without hospitalizations and without her getting shuffled around and her dad wasn't here and she didn't really ever know living with him. Mm-hmm. That that was a lot to go through. And I don't know if she underlying blamed Elizabeth, but she, she loved her sister, but I think she very often was anxious and angry in her childhood. Um, she's doing really great now. Mm-hmm. really great and i Thank love you. the it's woman that she became mm-hmm. yeah she's she's 21 she's in school um and i love the woman that she's becoming um but you know she's on her third college like she she has a lot she has a lot of um of trauma and um a lot of ptsd and mm. she needs her
1: own space you know she um she really does Yes. um, I'm, I mean, that is just so eye-opening. And it helps me to be better as I'm working with families, especially if there is one child who has severe challenges and needs and the other children are just kind of going along with the flow. You know, I get to remind parents to make sure that they are paying attention to the other children also and making sure they can provide as much stability as possible as possible. We know that, you know, you can't control the the medical needs or the emergencies, but just being there, providing some type of stability is going to help and then tending to their needs and giving them some one-on-one attention. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I know that you have a book and (laughs) it is called Butterflies and Second Chances, A Mom's Memoir of Love and Lost. Tell us a little bit about it. Well,
2: I love to tell this story because after Elizabeth passed away, I was just lost. I was a zombie just kind of going through the motions of life and actually not doing a very good job of it. I didn't know who I was without her. Was I still a special needs mom? you know, will I still be a special needs attorney? Because I had, you know, 15 plus years into my career at that time, actually, probably closer to 20. And I just, I just lost myself. And I was really depressed. I mean, it was beyond grief, you know, but the Mm -hmm. grief was so profound. And I finally um, went to a grief group, I had tried a few, they were, not for me, they were kind of general, losing a loved one, one was um, losing children, but it was all kinds of losses, and it just didn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Well, the folks at Children's Hospital and Dana-Farber Cancer Center, that the pediatric folks that I knew who had supported us through Elizabeth's passing, they started a group um, that was just for families who'd lost their children through illness. Mm. That really resonated with me because those parents knew the agonizing choices that I made at the end of her life. And it was a safe place to talk. So they started us journaling and I really took to it. And, oh my God, it was so good to get those feelings out. Oh man, it was, Mm. it was so therapeutic. And again, I know journaling is not for everybody, but I couldn't recommend it more highly Mm -hmm. I ended up um, about, you know, third of the way into the book, kind of looking at it and saying, oh, my God, this could really be something. This could really help some people because it is really helping me to write it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's how it became a book. I never set out to write a book, but there you go. I love it. And where can we find it? It's... At, you know pretty much everywhere but Amazon's the easiest place to get it it's okay um, you can get it uh, your electronic version if you want to read it on your tablet or something and you can also get it in paperback and hardcover
1: definitely putting that in the show notes it just sounds like something that it's comforting something that connects us to your experience and maybe connects us to an experience of someone that we know who may be experiencing something similar. So I appreciate that. And I know that we promised in the beginning that you would be sharing that one major lesson learned from your unique journey that other parents can glean from. So what <laughs> is that major lesson that you've learned? Well,
2: I kind of already said, hey, you know, every person in the family is important and you have to take care of everybody. So that is probably the biggest lesson. But Elizabeth's death really was so profound and impactful as you could imagine. And I think I want to just share that I really went through a transition period after she died and, and it took me a few years to come back around to myself, but I was a different self. And so that's why I call it, you know, butterflies and second chances. It was my second chance at life and also the butterfly just represents that metamorphosis so you know i i talk a lot in the book about the ocean and waves and i felt like i was getting battered so much from all directions before she passed after she passed and at some point the grief kind of died down a bit and and the waves died down a bit and I sort of liken that to being in a storm, but eventually the storm subsides and then the storm changes the beach, but you're still the beach. You're still yourself. You may look a little different. You may be, have a little debris on you <laughs> and your right. shoreline has maybe changed and I felt different, but still me, you know, and that's my best explanation for what happened to me after Elizabeth. And I realized that I am the same mom that I always have been and the same special needs attorney that I always have been and the same advocate. And it's so important to take what I've learned and dust myself off and continue on that path with my mission and honor Elizabeth. And I knew that she would not want me to be miserable. She would want me to live. So I'm living. I live for her, but I live
1: for myself too. I love that you're living for her, but you are living for you. And I I, I just love that The title, Butterflies and Second Chances. And thank you for explaining how that connects with your experience. Because I'm thinking of how even as a parent, you know, we're always transforming and and, you know, trying to find ourselves. And here I am looking for myself too. (laughs) Just, Just as you know, just as you're saying. And it's so important that we reconnect with our true selves, be our authentic selves. And and find ourselves even past the struggles. Is Here's there? The thing. Oh, we yeah, tell, yeah. We, I'm sorry.
2: To no, go ahead. No. You know, we, we tell our kids all the time be happy, you know, and we are always telling them how they should live, but we are not showing them mm-hmm,
0: by example.
2: Mm-hmm. We have to show our kids a happy person,
1: you know? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I say talk the talk, walk the walk. There you go. You know, you're gonna say it, then you do it too. <laughs> right. Right. And I just wanted to ask if you had anything else, some last parent advice that you can provide today.
2: Well, I know we had talked um before we jumped on the recording about work-life balance and 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 all of that. And for me, it never was about work-life balance. It became about work-life integration. If your family life doesn't doesn't jive with your work life, and it's not integrated well, there's no such thing as balance because there's never going to be balance. It has to all smoothly work together as an integrated um, as an integrated kind of platform. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so when I talk with parents and I give them that live for you speech, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have to also back it up with, you know, you have to have all these pieces of your life integrated. So I just would love to
1: leave with that last note. I love that. I'm thinking of a puzzle right now when you said that. And every piece is going to be different. We just have to figure out how to put these pieces together and yeah. um, that completes that puzzle. That that just came to mind when you said that. That's great thank, visualization. Yeah. Thank you for not making me have to balance everything. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much, Annette. It is. It is. It's too much for everybody. Yes. Especially right now <laughs> with yes. everything that we're dealing with, with COVID and, and such. So, Thank you so much. And, and for the parent listening, you know, by now, I hope that you're thinking about what you can do differently, maybe even better, or maybe you have a friend or family member in mind who can use this information. This is good. I want you thinking about how you can better support your children or the children in your life and how you can make an impact. So let me challenge you. Do one intentional act this week to spend special alone time with each child separately. Give your undivided attention. And if you have a child with a disability and want to know more about the legal aspect of special education over your child's lifetime, you know, Annette has a free ebook you can download. And I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's entitled Legal and Advocacy Issues for Special Needs Families Across the Lifespan. Again, I'll add that link too, as well as a link to her book, uh, Butterflies and Second Chances. And if you didn't know, Annette also has a podcast podcast. Parenting Impossible, the Special Needs Survival Podcast. And I will have a link for that in the show notes. Show her some love. (laughs) She's a lot of knowledge. And to learn more about her products and services, just visit specialneedscompanies.com. So your loving reminder is, listen to this, lean in, slow down, look up, and see how you can intentionally connect with your child Well, I sure hope that this episode has blessed you. I really hope that you are loving all of the content. If you are, simply hit the follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss any new episodes. And as you think about that brother, that cousin, or that friend who needs this information too, simply share the link, parentthemsuccessful.com or just take a screenshot of the title and send it to them because we know that sharing is what makes the biggest difference in someone else's parenting journey. And if you are the type of parent who is serious about better supporting your child's growth and development, join my email list for more free content to help you get your parenting journey on point. So that's at StrongerMindsStrongerYouth.com forward slash join the list. And of course, that will be in the show notes. And you know, I really do appreciate you. And I thank you so much for listening. So until next time, be blessed and love on your children.
0: Thank you for listening to the Parent Them Successful with licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more information about our services, the Empower House Academy, or to take our quiz, What's Your Parenting Style?, go to StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. Feel free to email us directly at info at StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. We'd love to hear from you. Other ways to stay connected are on Instagram and Facebook by searching Stronger Mind, Stronger Youth and on Twitter at official underscore SMSY. Until next time, be well and love your children for they are a gift from the Lord.